there, friend. It's Coach Kelsa. I wanted to record a quick intro. Listen, episode 82 and 83 are really good, but they were recorded and published before everything started going down with the coronavirus. We decided to keep them as scheduled, but we didn't want you to think we were being insensitive. So we are also working on an episode specifically around the financial strategies that you can employ, additional resources that are available to you right now due to everything that's going on, and really ways to stay grounded and save money because of the coronavirus. So just know that that episode is coming out. Uh, but for now, here is episode 82 and 83. We hope you enjoy. Hey, 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 everyone. It's Coach Kelsa here. Welcome to episode 82 of the Fiscal Fitness Podcast. It is a great episode. There are going to be tons of resources that I list that you will want to make sure you access. Things like a free download, different articles, uh, different free resources available to you. And we are going to include all of those things in the show notes. So you'll want to make sure you hop on over to fiscalfitnessphx.com forward slash episode 82 to get your hands on all of those. That way, if you are driving right now, don't try and write anything down while you're driving. Just hop on over to the show notes and it'll all be there with links for you. And again, that is fiscalfitnessphx.com forward slash episode 82, F-I-S-C-A-L, F-I-T-N-E-S-S-P-H-X.com forward slash episode 82. We are going to be talking today about preventing, overcoming, spending temptations. Uh, You can be so disciplined. All of us can be and then still fall for temptation sometimes. It's really normal. And it's especially normal if you Find yourself falling for some of the common traps that we're going to be discussing today. There are three different parts of today's podcast. The first part is identifying when triggers happen for you. So awareness is key. Second is preventing those temptations from tripping you up in the future. And we're going to share 13 ways that we think you can reduce the chance of these temptations even being present for you. Um, That way you can prevent them from happening going forward. And then part three of this is going to be all about having a backup plan of free activities that you can enjoy instead of spending money. That way, if you are finding yourself tempted, you already know kind of what you're going to fall back to, right? So like I said, we've got a lot to cover today. And the first thing that we want to do is start with the trigger that causes a poor choice. So, you know, and that is essentially what a trigger is, is it causes you to make a decision and then maybe later you experience some buyer's remorse or it has caused you to not be able to save as aggressively as what you were hoping to or not put quite as much towards your goals. And later you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I should have done that. But it was maybe a very fast sort of temptation and something you decided very quickly. One observation that Jill and I have is that most of our clients experience patterns in their behaviors, experiences or moments that tend to trigger spending activities more than others. And that's why identifying when these occur for you is key to being able to overcome them. So what you really want to do is ask yourself, when I've made bad decisions, and here's the thing, it's a bad decision to you, right? So I may not think it was that big of a deal, but my situation is different and my goals are different than yours. And the expectation that I have for my money is likely different than the expectation you want to have for yourself and your money. So you know, this is when you've done something, you're like, Oh, I don't know if I should have done that. You know, maybe I regret it. Maybe I just experienced a little bit of buyer's remorse. Maybe I'm kind of questioning like, why did I even do that? Like, that's not even important to me. Right. So those are bad decisions. And again, bad, like you consider it bad. Okay. Really what you want to ask yourself is when I've done that, what happened that day? What led to that? And am I able to see a pattern begin to unfold. So in other words, what is my trigger for the bad behavior and what is a reward that you can give yourself in place of the negative behavior? There are a couple of things that I want to help you identify so that you can observe either going forward um, or if you want to reflect on some of these decisions you've made in the past and just see if there's any patterns here that you can identify. 
I think it's really important to start by writing down when these happen, the date and the day of the week. So I know for me personally, I tend to spend more money on the weekends, for example, than during the week. Um, And then of course, it's like you're back to work on Monday morning and you're kind of like realizing how hard you work for your money. And it's like, oh man, like that was so easy to spend it over the weekend. But now I'm, you know, realizing just how much I have to do for that, you know, 50 bucks I just spent. So really write down the date and the day of the week that it happened. You may observe something very similar. You may observe that you spend more during the week. Um, You want to write down the item you purchased. You may find that you tend to splurge or fall the temptations around a certain type of item and it's or it's always the same category of things. I have a client who loves to sew and she's always buying fabric and she jokes that she's got an entire room of fabric. She doesn't need any more fabric and yet she still sort of falls victim to buying more fabric, right? So that's a good example of how that's sort of like her, her kryptonite, if you will. The amount you spent. So this is insightful because is it easier for you to fall tempted by something that's five bucks or is it something way bigger like $500, right? And you you really want to see the pattern there. I would say one of the things that Jill and I observe is that it tends to be the smaller amounts that we can easily just do, make a quick decision on and then move on and then the next day sort of regret it, right? Um, where you bought it. So, you know, some people have stores that tend to be their kryptonite or they tend to visit the same store when they've been triggered. Uh, were you alone or with someone else or others? So do you feel pressured or like you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and so you tend to spend more when you're with others? Uh, maybe it feels like you're trying to impress them or show up in a certain way, or maybe there's just peer pressure could be happening. Um, or do you tend to spend more when you're by yourself? Uh, so do you not have those people, you know, that you're able to have a conversation with and that gets you out of sort of the mindset of spending money? Uh, maybe it's easier for you to spend when you're all by yourself. Was the item on sale? It's really normal that folks get triggered by good deals. So if the item were real retail price, excuse me, would you still buy it? In other words, do you truly value the item that you just bought, even if you had to pay full price for it? And again, this is just something to observe about yourself. Like, do you tend to fall for temptations because of a sale? And we're going to talk about some resources available for you if that is the case in just a little bit. Was it a planned purchase or an impulse buy? Most of the time when it comes to falling for temptations, it's impulsive. Um, Or it's something you've thought of before, but you didn't have a concrete plan in place to get that thing. And so when it's in front of you, it's easy to pull the trigger impulsively because you're like, oh, I thought about this and I didn't have another way or an idea of how I was going to get it. So I better take advantage of this opportunity that's right in front of me. And it's just, you know, that temptation where if you had a plan in place, an idea of like, I'm going to buy this when this other thing happens or when I've saved for it or, you know, after I've hit another goal of mine or something like that, then when it's right in front of you, sometimes knowing that it's not no, it's just not yet can be the thing that helps to curb temptation. When you fell victim to temptation, did you use cash that day, debit or credit? So if you tend to get triggered and spend on your credit card, try not to carry it on you. Or if you go into a store, don't take your debit card inside with you. If you've got a limited budget, just take enough cash that that's all you can buy or all you can spend. Okay. Uh, And then finally, what kind of day were you having? And this is probably the biggest one of all of them. It is amazing to me how some clients spend money when they're having a great day and they want to celebrate and they want to reward themselves. Maybe they, you know, turned in a project at work and their boss loved it and they got some accolades for it. And they're just like, Ooh, I'm going to go spend and treat myself. Right. And yet some clients find themselves spending on a bad day. And oftentimes it's to make themselves feel better, um, or to just sort of like have some sort of control. You know, if something bad happens, especially if it feels like it wasn't in your control, that is one way that some people can grasp hold of control is by spending money. Um, Another time is when someone's bored. So they're just truly bored or they're lonely and they're like, I have nothing to do. I don't know what I want to do with my day, but I want to get out of the house, let's say, or it's my lunch hour at work and 
you know, I already ate my lunch, let's say, and I've still got time to kill. And I don't really want to sit around in the lunchroom or the break room. So I'll just go walk around Target, right? So do you tend to shop in order to keep busy or pass the time? In other words, you really want to look at what kind of day were you having. And if you can journal this out, and we've got a couple of different articles where we have navigated this thought process in order to get you to really think through um, how you know, how your triggers are showing up for you so that you can identify the pattern. We will post the two different articles that we have. One of them is called Never Feel Buyer's Remorse Again. And then the other one is Spending Triggers, Why They Happen and How to Identify Yours. These are blog articles on our website. We will link to them in the show notes um, and it will really dive into this more. But your goal is first and foremost to identify when are your triggers happening for you? And that way you can work to prevent them. If you know that you, you know, tend to spend money when you're with a bunch of other people, limit the amount of money you have on you. Don't take your credit card that day. Find an accountability partner, you know, maybe a girlfriend that's going to be with you and say, hey, I tend to do this. Will you hold me accountable to not doing it? Right? Like stay by my side and tell me no. You know, here's my credit card. Hold on to this for me and don't give it back to me till we're out of the store or something like that, right? So, um, you know, once you know, then you'll be able to better tackle it. So the second thing we want to cover are 13 ways to curb the temptations in front of you. So identifying when they're happening for you is the first thing. But then the second piece of that is that we are often faced with temptations on a regular basis, so much so that they become a normal part of our day that we don't even realize that they are temptations anymore. That the purpose of this thing in front of us, this commercial or you know any number of things is to get us to spend money. And we want to work to turn those off or curb our reaction to them as best as possible. And I'm going to cover 13 ways that you can do that now. The first is to stop comparing yourself to others. I know that is easier said than done. Uh, You know, there's a beautiful quote that comparison is the thief of joy. And I do believe that. I can feel so proud of something that I've created, let's say in the business. um, And then sometimes I see someone else's you know, creation. And I'm like, Oh, why didn't I think to do that? Or, Oh, look at their branding is so beautiful. And, you know, and I have people say the same thing about our things and our branding and our creations. Um, and it's, it's simply because I'm comparing theirs to mine, right? So what's important to other people, a friend or a colleague or a family member may not be of value to you. And really working hard to identify, here's what's important to me, and here's what I'm willing to spend my money on. And it is okay that they want to spend their money on something different. That doesn't mean that I should want to, too. And a really good example for me is cars. I've talked about this before on a podcast. I'm not a car girl. Like, I... There was a kind of a joke, and I've been picked on a couple times for this, where I got into a friend's car... And I want to say it was like a Porsche or something. See, I don't even remember. And I guess I made a comment about it, saying it was a different kind of car. And they were like, oh, my God, you know, kind of laughing at me. Like, Kelsa definitely does not know her cars. I think I thought it was like a BMW or something. I don't even know what it was. See, this is where it's such a bad example because I'm not a car person. I can't even tell you how this whole story played out where I got picked on because I truly had no idea what kind of car I had just sat in. Um, and it, I guess it was like some sort of sports car that everybody should have known what it was. I don't know. Um, so it's easy for me to get into other people's cars or see them and be like, oh, these are so nice. And then I just sort of have to remind myself, like, I really don't care really what kind of car I drive. You know, we drive very little. And so I'm good with our car. You know, it's just not something that is really an important expenditure for me personally. So um, number one, stop comparing yourself to others. Number two, make a top three list. Write down three things you want. If an item doesn't occupy one of those coveted three spots, don't buy it, not until it makes the cut. So the idea is that in order to put something on that list, you've got to take something off because you have to have three. You cannot have two and you can't have four. It has to be three things. So in order to spend money on something, it's got to replace something that you're saying you really want. And it's one way that you can help to keep yourself in check a little bit. Number three, realize commercials are trying to sell you something. 
Their entire job is to entice you and lure you in. Hook, line, and sinker. Don't fall for it. Try to fast forward or skip commercials if that's possible. Um, Get up and do something active such as a quick chore or refilling your drink or checking the mail instead of sitting through a commercial break. And this works if you're listening to a podcast or if you're watching, you know, TV, you can very quickly, the getting moving will help you to kind of take a break from whatever you're listening to. So that's one way that you can do that. Episode 56 of this podcast, which is part four of the Cognitive Biases series, we uh, recorded that and it covers this topic more in depth. So you'll definitely want to check that out if you find that um, through doing the first part of this episode, you know, where you try to identify and become more aware of what your triggers are. If you find that commercials, you tend to fall for those. Um, it will help you to understand how you are being marketed to specifically and also how that's affecting the way you think, the way you feel, and ultimately the way you spend your money. So that is episode 56, part four of the Cognitive Biases series. And again, we're going to link to all of these in the show notes. Um, So if you are finding commercials tend to be your kryptonite, check out episode 56. Uh, Number four, cancel the store alert emails you receive. A 25% off coupon. Ooh, fancy. A 24-hour only sale. You better hurry. And if not for that email, you probably wouldn't have even thought of that store or the items that they're selling. It is incredibly likely that by not receiving that 25% off coupon, you'll spend much less. Saving more than the coupon is going to save you anyway. So you are better off without it. Out of sight, out of mind, turn them off. There is a resource that you can check out, which is um, unroll.me. And again, we'll link to this in the show notes as well. Unroll.me, which helps you unsubscribe to a bunch of email subscriptions all at one time in a pretty efficient way. So and it can be anything from just newsletters you get that you no longer want to receive. Of course, ours is not on your list of things you want to unsubscribe to, I'm sure. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and but it can be, you know, store coupon emails, old things that you, you know, signed up one time and you, you know, just forget and you have all these spam emails coming in. Um, Unroll.me can really help you with that. Number five, get an accountability partner. So find someone who knows how important your financial goals are to you and what challenges you struggle with. Really important that this person understands and cares about your financial goals almost as much as you, okay? This cannot be the type of friend that, you know, just tells you what you want to hear, okay? Whenever you are tempted, I want you to pick up the phone. And this person's job is to talk you off the ledge. So you're not allowed to get mad when they tell you, no, you can't buy this one thing. And here's the thing. Even if you get mad, this person shouldn't care. If they care that you're mad at them for doing what it is that you want them to do for you, then they probably aren't going to work out to be a great accountability partner long-term, okay? Episode 43 Uh, of our podcast dives into the role of a financial coach a bit more and really explains how we serve as an accountability partner for our clients. I will also say, and I just want to take a little side note here, when you have a friend who acts as an accountability partner, it is super normal that these start off strong and then tend to flicker out over time. And this doesn't have to be just an accountability partner for money. If you've got a business and you meet with somebody as your accountability partner for business goals or getting work done in your business or accomplishing a big project or something like that, or for your health or for your fitness, like a workout partner, it is super normal that most accountability partners, when it is not a professional relationship, tend to be temporary or have short-term benefits that you will likely experience, but then they have the chapter sort of ends, right? Um, They tend to run their course. Most do. So if you find yourself in that cycle where you have an accountability partner and it works for a while and then it just sort of stops working, know that that is normal and it's simply time to find a new accountability partner, okay? It's really normal that they start off strong oftentimes. Everyone's holding each other accountable. You really care 
better about making that person proud or, you know, checking in with them and telling them that you accomplished your list and all of that. And then after a while, we test that in very subtle ways. Like I'm going to accomplish nine out of 10 things. And if they don't press me on that, then the next time it's going to be eight out of 10. And then after a while, it just sort of stops working and it fizzles out. Very, very normal. Try not to get overly frustrated with that. Um, and know that it's not unique to you. That's a very normal thing, but just also why it's important to have like that professional partner with your finances, somebody that, you know, their job is to hold you accountable because they're never going to falter for you. It's just, it's what they do and it's the role they play and you've hired them to play that role. Number six, practice one to two. So for every item you buy unplanned, you must give up two other items. So if you're, you know, kryptonite is a pair of shoes, let's say. And if you buy another pair of shoes, you must sell or donate two pairs that are sitting in your closet. This is, it cannot be one-to-one. It has to be that there's a bit more pain or sacrifice um, versus the gain. So you're gaining one pair of shoes, but you have to give up two pairs of shoes. The reason this can work really well Um, is that oftentimes our temptations are something that we actually have plenty of and we don't really need any more of. Like take that client that loves fabric. In order for her to buy one thing of fabric, she'd have to give up two. That's probably really easy for her to do in the sense that she has plenty of fabric. And it helps to purge things. It helps to declutter. Um, And like I said, this is tends to be the category where we overspend or we have way too much of anyway. It's a consumption thing. And so we really want to practice eliminating those things. And the cost, so giving up two things is more than what we gain. So buying one thing. Number seven, ladies, stay out of Target. I say Target, but the reality is to steer clear of your favorite store, whether that's Best Buy, Kohl's, Nordstrom's, uh, maybe a sporting goods store. Maybe you like Lululemon. Um, Maybe you love shoes and you love going to DSW. You know, really, again, back to that first part of this episode, like if you find that you tend to get triggered when you're in a certain store because they've got the best deals or they just know it's kind of like, oh, you just feel like a different person when you're in there. You really want to stay out of that store. You know, this is where, um, you know, sending somebody to go in for you and buy something, or I love the fact now that you can buy something online and go pick it up in the store because oftentimes you don't even have to go like walk through the store. So Target's a great example. You could, you know, their pickup is right in the front, um, typically in the customer service area, which is in the front of the store oftentimes. And you just walk in, you buy the thing that you had planned to buy or that you bought online and you don't have to go browsing through the store and be tempted by all the things that are oh, just so fun to buy, right? But then later we regret them. Uh, Another thing, you know, that I like to think about too is like I really, I don't take my kids with me whenever possible into stores. You know, I tend to either be rushed if they're, if they're, you know, cranky or if, you know, they're just needing a lot of me, then my own attention is being diverted and I probably just want to hurry up and get out of the store or, you know, any number of things. And I'm just not going to be as sane or logical or reasonable in my decision-making at that point. And so it might be just like, oh yeah, just stick in the cart, whatever sort of thing. Um, and then even if they're in a good mood, I find that it's like, oh, Carmen, you want you know, a new sparkly nail polish, like, oh, it's $2. Okay. You know, and it's like, we're having fun and, and it's cute. And it's not to say that you can't ever do that. Right. So I don't want this to be, um, you know, that you abstain from these things all of the time, but if you find that it's a recurring pattern for you and you've got goals that you are not able to achieve financially, then chances are these things, you know, aren't worth it. So that's really what you're looking at there. Number eight, practice delayed gratification. If you see something you want, it's not that you can't have it. You just have to wait. So tell yourself that it's not no, it's not yet. Force yourself to put it off for one pay period or one month. Set a date and say, if I still want it on this date, I'll come back and get it. Uh, When that time comes, you'll either still want the item and so you go and buy it or you've forgotten all about it and already moved on and you have more money in your pocket as a result. So that is the beautiful thing is that if you're still thinking about it, you can go buy it. But if you're not, you're, you know, not missing out on anything. 
Number nine, surround yourself with a positive message. Read articles, blog posts, uh, read books, listen to podcasts that really help you to reinforce the message of long-term savings, your future, making good decisions around money, why it's important to care, why this is a good thing for you, and really continuously try to stay present to that. You know, it's easy if you're surrounding yourself with a bunch of people who are spending money on things you don't care about. It can be really enticing to kind of fall in line with that. And it's important to surround yourself with the message that you're trying to reinforce. I have found this to be really helpful for me around um, making good food choices. So not eating a lot of junk food and that kind of thing. I find that if I listen to a podcast episode once a week or so, um, around health or, you know, hacking the body and like those types of topics, it's so much easier for me during the week to stay present to my health goals and my weight goals and that kind of thing. It's when I go through a length of time, you know, maybe a month where I'm not staying present to the message, it gets harder and harder and harder for me to stay motivated through it. I hope that this podcast, our blog, our newsletter serves as a really positive reminder for you. I hope that you feel it reinforces what you're trying to do with your money and not because you're perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are, um, but because it helps you to get right back on, uh, you know, and reinforce those goals whenever you need to, if you ever fall off the wagon sort of thing. So I hope that this has been a wonderful podcast for you to tune into. And thank you for being one of our listeners. All right, that was number nine. Surround yourself with a positive message. Number 10, leave yourself a wallet reminder. I will never be surprised by how many people this works for. So if you haven't done this, or if it seems really simple, Um, and you're maybe dismissing it a little bit, I'm going to challenge you to try it because I get that feeling from some clients. They're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Kelsa, like kind of like look at me like I'm crazy when I recommend this and then they do it and it totally works for them. Okay. So what the idea here is to print a picture of your bigger goal. Maybe it's a new house. Maybe it's more in savings. Maybe it's a specific number you're shooting for that you would love to see in your emergency fund. Maybe it's being debt-free or no more credit cards. So you have a picture of like a big fat zero or, you know, a picture of like a bunch of credit cards chopped up or something like that. So find a picture that for you elicits an emotion and reminds you of your bigger goal, okay? And you want to wrap this picture around your debit or credit card. And again, back to part one, however you tend to spend when you're triggered. If you tend to spend on a credit card, wrap this around a credit card. If you tend to spend more on your debit, wrap it around your debit card. And every time you spend money in an impulsive way, what's going to end up happening is you have to hold your goal in one hand and the card you're using to spend on in the other. And what a powerful reminder of the consequences of consequences, excuse me, of our choices, that it is one or the other right now. I'm either going to put this money towards my goal, or I am going to spend on this thing that I'm about to buy. If you find that an act like this, we can actually do that a couple of times, and then we can follow it with one more action. If you find that doing this helps you to put the thing back and you don't buy it, let's say it's something for $11 and you end up putting it back on the shelf and you walk out of the store, okay? The first thing I'm going to ask you right now, a little side note, what I just described, walking out of a store without buying anything, when was the last time you did that? How does that feel if you were to do that? This is another keen observation that you may need to make for yourself. It is really hard for some people to not buy something once they are already in a store. And there's something about the mentality of like it feeling like a wasted trip or while I'm here, I should probably buy something. If I walk out without buying something, this whole thing was a waste of my time and it was like a failed a failed trip. And the idea of failing at something is, is so 
impossible for them that by buying something even small, it feels like, well, now there was a purpose to this trip, even if it wasn't the original intended purpose. So if you can't remember the last time you walked out of a store without buying something, it might be a really good experiment to do, okay? So anyway, back to this wallet reminder. So let's say you find that you put it back. So that means this works for you, right? It's a really good activity for you is to have this picture wrapped around your card. So you put the thing back. If it was $11 that you were going to spend, right then in the store, if you can, pull up your bank app on your phone and put $11 to your goal. It is a really great way to reinforce the choice you just made. So what you do is you experience the negative consequence of putting the book back, and I'm using the example of a book, but it could be anything, a pair of shoes, a movie, a video game, sports equipment, you name it, right? So I'm gonna put this thing back, and I'm feeling the pain of that. So what I'm going to do is reward myself and remind myself why that is worth it to me. And I'm going to take $11 right now and put it towards my goal immediately because that is what I've just done for myself. And that following action of actually putting the money towards your goal can be so powerful and it will help to reinforce those choices going forward. You'll actually leave feeling really proud, excited, like, yes, I just did that. I'm so proud of myself as opposed to like, oh, I just put that back and it was really hard and now I'm walking out, but I still want it. I'm still thinking about it and it's really hard, but I'm going to keep walking in a straight line out to my car, right? So it can really help to reframe that entire activity. So that was number 10, is to leave yourself that wallet reminder in a picture. Number 11, get on a realistic budget. So the key term here, of course, is realistic, which means one that allows you some flexibility. We believe at Fiscal Fitness that flexibility and choices within structure is really the best kind of budget. We don't believe, you guys, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you probably know this, we don't believe in tracking every single dollar. Um, Most people won't do that long term. So um, we want there to be some structure, but we also want it to be where there's flexibility and a fluid nature to your money inside of that structure. So if you love wine, your budget should include a little bit of spending spending money for wine because it's probably going to happen. Um, another great resource here is um, Gretchen Rubin, her podcast, The Happier Project, or Happier, I think. Um, and she has a book and a website and everything. Uh, she talks a lot about being an abstainer or a moderator. So do you need to abstain from something entirely if you know you want it, but you shouldn't have it? Um, or do you tend to do things in moderation? And when it comes to money, most of our clients are moderators in the sense where they want some of that, but they just don't want to go crazy on that thing. And it's okay to do it a little bit or spend a little bit as long as I'm reaching my goals sort of thing. It's not that I can't have it at all and I want to sacrifice to the nth degree and not spend any money on anything that's considered frivolous and that kind of thing. It's In other words, it's like, do it, but let's have a plan in place for doing it. Okay. Another resource uh, on budgeting is episode 72 of our podcast, Seven Things You've Tried That Are Simply Not Working. So if you feel like maybe your budget is sometimes okay and sometimes not, maybe it's not because you don't even have a budget. Um, Maybe it feels like it's not completely realistic and you're just not sure how to get it realistic. You might want to check out episode 72 and it will really help you with, you know, budgeting in general. Uh, We also have on our website the How to Budget Guide right in the top menu, but we'll also link to that as well. Number 12, know what's really important to you. So this is a deeper question than simply what makes you happy. New shoes can make you happy or going out to eat may be convenient, but do they really bring you fulfillment and satisfaction? What do you really care about? What do you cherish? What do you value? And that answering that question and then putting your money behind those things is really important. And if you're putting your money behind those things, all those other temptations become so much sillier in concept. It's like, oh yeah, I don't really need that because what's more important to me is this thing over here. It's easier to not care what other people spend their money on. Back to number one, you know, not comparing yourself to others. 
it's easier to not really care what anyone else is doing when you feel so proud and confident in what you are choosing to do with your money and knowing that that is right for you. Okay. So knowing what's important to you is key to conquering temptations. And last but not least, number 13, appreciate what you have. Once you begin to value what you have, you will likely want for less. Once you appreciate the things you can already spend money on or the things you've already purchased in the past, fewer things will actually catch your eye and your level of contentment will oftentimes skyrocket. So I'm going to recap these really quickly. Number one, stop caring. Excuse me. Number one, stop comparing yourself to others. Number two, make a top three list. Number three, realize commercials are trying to sell you something. Number four, cancel the store alert emails you receive. Number five, get an accountability partner. Number six, practice one for two. That's where you buy one thing and uh, eliminate two things. Ladies, stay out of Target. Uh, That is a bit of discrimination there. So whatever store is your vice, men, women, kids, whatever it is, wherever you tend to spend the most money or fall for temptation the most, stay out of it. Costco maybe, right? Um, Whatever it is for you. Number eight, practice delayed gratification. Number nine, surround yourself with a positive message. Number 10, leave yourself a wallet reminder. Number 11, get on a realistic budget. Number 12, know what's really important to you. And number 13, appreciate what you have. I wanted to share really quickly before we move on to the third part of this episode, what do Jill and I do? So out of these things, what have we found that works for us? So I personally have turned off all email coupons and I'll just search online if I need to buy something from somewhere and I'm much less tempted as a result. I also find myself much more excited and engaged when I'm surrounding myself with others who are staying the course too. Even if their path is different than mine, their end goals are different than mine, if I can see that they are making those hard decisions for their future or for their own value system, even if those things are different from mine, it encourages me to do the same thing. Where when I'm surrounding myself with people who are on a spending frenzy or you know don't care what they're doing with their money, it can be really easy for me to fall into that mindset as well. Um, I find myself equally disengaged when I'm around others who don't operate the same way that I want to be operating. So I really try hard to make sure that I'm around like-minded people. Finally, I... I do sometimes get curious about things like moving to a bigger house or getting a nicer car, like I was saying. Um, And I consistently come back to what's most important to me and to Michael and to our family. And one of those things for us, we've always said this is having options. We talk all the time or we've shared in the past about, you know, Michael, really what sparked our financial journey way back when was when Michael was miserable at his job, which was a big deal for him because he's such a happy-go-lucky guy. And we didn't have options. He couldn't leave. We needed that paycheck. And I swore we would never find ourselves in those types of situations again. Um, Having options for us is really what is most important. And I, you know, sometimes have to make the hard decision of like not buying something in order to have other options later down the road. But when I keep that present of mind, it's so much easier for me to do. Jill said um, she opts out of the emails from all the stores as well. Um, She uses the unroll.me app. I did not use that, but um, she did and, and said it worked really well to keep things out of her inbox. She also uses certain discount programs on her computer. So um, when she wants to shop and still feel confident that she's getting a good deal, she'll um, make sure that she's not feeling tempted by using some of these apps. So episode 76 of our podcast, Jill dove into things like Camel, Camel, Camel and the Honey app and some of these other options, like how they work how they help you to save money. Um, So be sure to check out episode 76 if you're not aware of what those things are and if you're doing a lot of online shopping. And again, I will link to that episode in the show notes as well. Jill uh, also loves to play a game with herself, which is she tells herself one more day. So this is how she practices the delayed gratification that we discussed. 
So when she's buying something online, she'll maybe put it in her cart, but she'll tell herself one more day. So this is really helpful for her with Amazon, probably for a lot of us. It's Amazon is just so easy, right? Like it's so one-click buying sometimes. And everything, your card, your shipping address, everything is just in there. Everything's saved. It's so fast, right? Um, so she says, you know, she doesn't want to forget about it. She doesn't want to... Um, you know, also not feel impulsive about it. So she waits to pull the trigger. She'll revisit her cart when she thinks of it. And then she'll ask herself, do I really need this right now? And if the answer is no, she might leave it in the cart a little bit longer or move it to a wish list, which is something Amazon has. If you're not aware of that, you can create wish lists. Um, and she says that by doing this, so asking, do I really need this right now? And if not, can I wait just one more day? Just one more day. And oftentimes you can just keep putting it off until you're like, I don't even need this anymore. Why do I, I don't even need this ever, you know? Um, but she said that this thought process has helped her avoid purchasing almost half of the things that she initially thinks that she needed by using this method. So that's massive, right? Even if it's just one in 10 things for you, that's still helping you to save quite a bit of money. So this is how Jill practices delay, delayed gratification and it works really great for her and I love that. Um, she's also has a much more keen awareness of sales and discounts and often questions what the sale is getting her to do and if it's something that she really wants to be spending her money on. Uh, so for instance, like a buy one, get one sale or buy two, get one free, um, you know, the temptation to buy more than one thing because the price is so good. So she really tries to question if she's being tempted to spend more than what she really needs in order to bring more stuff home than what she actually wants in her house. And one episode that we recorded, episode 50, which is part one of the Cognitive Bias series, I dove in depth into the anchoring bias. And the anchoring bias is really where a lot of these buy one, get one, or buy two, get one free type of sales processes, why they work on us, like the thoughts that they lead us to have, what they trigger in our mind, and essentially how they get us to spend more money. So I give a whole bunch of examples in episode 50. So if you find that maybe falling for some of these sales is a part of your kryptonite, I highly recommend episode 50. So part one, we dove into helping you identify or giving you a structure around identifying when you're trigger, triggered. Excuse me. Step two is 13 ways that you can prevent those temptations from even showing up in your life. And now I want to dive into the third and final part of this podcast episode, which is free activities. So I think it is so important to have that plan B, something that you know you can do that will always work for you. And it's a way to keep yourself busy it's an activity you enjoy that doesn't cost any money. So instead of spending money, you can always fall back on one of these things. And it's it doesn't require any research. You want to try and get all the research done ahead of time. This is really important because if you're, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm being tempted, you know, or there's an opportunity to spend money. And I could do this other thing I've heard about, but I still have to figure out like, where do I go and where do I drive and where do I park and how does that work? It can actually be an obstacle that makes it so you don't follow through on that thing. So the idea is to come up with a list of activities that you can do that cost zero money and know exactly how to do them so that you can just hop right in and do them. It's almost like when you're driving to work and you go so much that you don't even remember like turning onto a certain street or, you know, like stopping at that stop line sign like you did, right? Like you did, you are just in autopilot. You just do it so naturally. These types of activities, you really want it to be that easy where you just know exactly where to go, what to do, um, and, and you, and you enjoy it. Okay. So let's see. So take time in advance to research these ideas in your area so that when you're feeling rushed or a lack of motivation, the hard work is already complete. Okay. So free activities can truly be a game changer when you're feeling tempted, when the road feels long, um, and planning ahead on these things is truly the trick. Okay. We have an amazing resource for you guys with 50, uh, free activities that you can do 
And you guys can download that by hopping over to the show notes, which is at fiscalfitnessphx.com forward slash episode 82. Um, I'm going to share just a couple of my favorite ones right now. Um, But in order to get, I'm going to list five. And in order for you to get the other 45 ideas of things you can do that cost zero money and they work for, you know, just about everybody, hop on over and you can guys can get that free download. So one thing for me is taking my dog for a walk. Now, granted, I live in Phoenix. We're blessed with beautiful weather most of the time, um, but it's just so good for me to get outdoors, to get moving, spend 20 minutes on a walk or an hour, like maybe take a different way than I've taken before. It can be so fast to just get shoes on. I will tell you too, if you... I used to be, if you're like this, this is how I used to be, you know, I would be dressed in, let's say jeans or, you know, a nice blouse and like maybe a cute pair of flats. <laughs> Ladies, maybe I'm talking to you a little bit more. And, uh, I used to think like, well, in order to go for a walk, I've got to change my outfit. I need to put on like workout attire and put tennis shoes on. And I sort of just stopped worrying about that. Like I will just put on a pair of tennis shoes and I'll have a you know pair of jeans on and a nice blouse. And it, it maybe looks a little silly, but chances are I'm just heading out for a quick 20-minute walk anyway. Um, I find that this is really helpful for me to regain some energy. Um, if I have a long day of meetings, let's say I'm in my office all day, it's really great. I maybe have a 15-minute break. I'll just go do a quick lap around um, our neighborhood, around our block, that kind of thing. And it can be so helpful. So if you find one of the things that's stopping you is like the whole act of like changing our clothes, you know, and then coming back and then needing to change our clothes back into whatever we were wearing, mm, I give you permission to scrap that idea. You don't need to, you know, just go for a walk in your blouse. It'll look great. It's fine. doesn't matter. Um, so Taking my dog for a walk or just going for a walk. Calling a friend and chatting on the phone. Yes, our phones can actually be used for talking on them. I know that sounds crazy. It's sort of like a dying art form, I feel like. And yet I love doing it. I love just picking up the phone, calling my sister, calling one of my girlfriends and just saying, what's new with you today? What's going on? And just you know, for lack of a better term, shooting the shit a little bit for a little, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I feel true satisfaction. I feel fulfilled. My heart feels full when after I have done that. And there is nothing that I can buy that can make me feel that way. It is amazing to me how the true human connection can feel. So I highly recommend that. And it is so easy. It's so fast. You can be anywhere while you're doing it. Highly recommend it. Uh, I like playing cards, you know, solitaire if I'm the only here by myself and I'll just grab a deck of cards and uh, play solitaire. Or I like just kind of shuffling a deck of cards sometimes. Uh, You can also, if you've got people around, ask them to play with you, Um, you know, maybe rummy or something like that. So just playing cards, completing a puzzle. We are a big puzzle family. And uh, so we'll talk about that in just a second. Watching a TED Talk I actually love this one too. So one, I feel inspired. I feel motivated. I feel like the world is just full of good people after I listen to a TED Talk or watch it. Um, They're usually really easy to find. They're well done. And I learn something new in the process oftentimes of listening. Uh, So that is one of my favorite things to do instead of spending money. Exploring my city's downtown. This is probably easy for me being in a big city. So for some of you listening, if you're in, you know, sort of a small town, this may not be that big of an option for you. You could maybe, you know, sort of explore your downtown in two minutes or something. But, you know, Phoenix has a bunch of downtowns, like a bunch of different areas that would be considered sort of like their own little pocket. And, you know, I can drive to one and they're always just forever changing sometimes, it seems like. Um, and I just walk around outside and I kind of window shop. I try not to go into any stores when I do this because, um, again, that kind of negates the purpose of doing this in order to not spend money. Um, but I will, you know, park my car. Sometimes you do have to pay, you know, put a few coins in a meter or something, pay a few bucks. But um, 
not always, just depends on if you can find some free parking or what city you live in, but, um, and just walk around and check out the different sculptures or the different fountains or, you know, the different, oftentimes, uh, stores will have art outside of, you know, on their sidewalk or something like that. So I just really enjoy doing that. Sometimes just sitting, if they've got a bench, I'll just sit and people watch. Um, so again, to get some more ideas of things that you can do that cost zero dollars, hop on over to, fiscalfitnessphx.com forward slash episode 82. I shared some of my favorite ones. I'm going to share with you some of Jill's favorite ones really quickly. Jill also really loves getting outdoors just like me. She loves to go hiking and we are very blessed to live in a place where we can do this more months than not and where we've got lots of trails and lots of places we can go hiking right inside the city. Um, It's a great way to get some exercise and to get outside. She also likes to take the dog for a walk around her neighborhood, go on bike rides, or takes the kids to the park. Uh, Some things that she likes to do with the kids is just throw around a football or a baseball, play paddle ball, which I don't even know what paddle ball is. I should probably know what that is, but I don't. Um, Or take a loaf of bread to the park with a pond and feed the ducks. That is something that my kids love to do as well. Um, And so that can be really fun. She also likes to play games at home as a family. So board games, card games, dominoes, puzzles. And then finally, Jill loves to cook and she loves that her kids find it fun and they like to join in as well. So maybe that is something that you love to do. I've been very open on this podcast before. I do not enjoy cooking at all. Um, I do not like it. I'm not great at it. It totally causes me anxiety to be trying to cook a bunch of stuff in the kitchen. Michael, thank God, loves to cook. And I'm very blessed to have married a man that loves to cook. So Jill loves to cook. And maybe that's something that you can do as well, especially if you've got stuff in your house that you can, you know, get together and cook without going shopping. That's even better. All right, you guys, let's wrap up this episode with the three steps to conquering your temptations. Number one is to identify when triggers happen for you. Awareness is key. So check out some of those resources to help you reflect on past temptations that you've fallen for and identify why. Number two, make changes to prevent temptations from happening in the future. So of the 13 things that I um, mentioned, the 13 ideas I provided for you, maybe choose two to three that you're going to adopt right away and take action on them quickly. And then finally, have a backup plan of free activities that you enjoy doing instead of spending money. That way, the other choice is easy. It's easy to execute. You know you're going to be happy and you're going to be better as a result. Thank you so much for tuning in this into this episode and I will catch you guys on the next one. Bye, everybody. If you would like more information about how we can help you take the stress out of money with one-on-one financial coaching, please check out our website, www.fiscalfitnessphx.com. And please join our private Facebook group by going to facebook.com groups slash fiscal fitness money. And if you have a passion for personal finance and are interested in helping others take the stress out of money by becoming a financial coach, check out our financial coach training program at www.financialcoachacademy.com and join our free Facebook group by searching Facebook for Financial Coaches Unite. We'll see you on the next episode of the Fiscal Fitness Podcast, where we'll help the world take the stress out of money.